0: Whether you're a cannabis enthusiast or skeptic, you've likely noticed the current craze over all things CBD and cannabis, from oils to lotions to gummies, for things like pain management and stress relief. But could CBD help your mental wellness?
1: For this week's episode, we called on Registered Dietitian Nutritionist and Certified Holistic Cannabis Practitioner, Emily Kyle. She breaks down when and how to use CBD and even helps us navigate how to purchase a high quality CBD product. I am
0: super excited to introduce our guest, Emily Kyle. And I met Emily almost a year ago now. We were, gosh, it seems like a lot longer. This was right before COVID hit. We were both speaking at a live event at the State of Alabama Dietetic Association Conference. And Emily was speaking on CBD from a nutrition perspective and from a health perspective and it's something I'd been intrigued with, but a lot of the science is so complicated. And I was, I really loved how she simplified it. And I've gone to her, some of her resources again, several times over the past year to understand things better. Can you tell people a little bit about yourself and your practice and maybe even how you, I'm assuming you didn't start out as a cannabis educator coming out of school, but um, how you
2: got into this? Yeah, so I am also a registered dietitian nutritionist, so I've always had a big interest in nutrition and food, and that really starts with plants that grow from the ground. And for a long time, I've been a cannabis consumer, but most of my career I spent hiding that fact. Um, And then recently, within the last two years, we've seen such a big cultural shift in how people feel about cannabis. So I just dipped my toe in the water talking about CBD, and I found that people were so super. Super interested, but really lacking any type of scientific or really evidence based recommendations. So I decided to go back to school. I did a certificate program through the Holistic Cannabis Practitioner Program in order to get that foundational scientific knowledge that I needed in order to be able to have these types of discussions and really understand the plant and how it works within our bodies. So, CBD, I always tell people, is really just like the tip of the iceberg when we're talking about cannabis. Now, The word hemp and marijuana, those terms are not botanical terms, and they're not medical terms. They're actually government-defined terms. So according to the government, a cannabis plant is considered hemp if it contains less than 0.3% THC, and it's considered marijuana if it contains more than 0.3 percent thc but the government's only looking at thc tetrahydrocannabinol which is again just one of very many different cannabinoids within the cannabis plant
0: so they're the same plant it's just hemp has less than 0.3% THC correct. and marijuana has more than 0.3% THC.
2: Correct. So for example, if I grew a cannabis plant in my backyard, and if I sent it for lab testing, if it contained less than 0.3% THC, the government is going to consider it hemp. If I lab test, if it grows long enough, it will eventually increase its THC yields. And so if I sent that in lab testing, And if it had more than 0.3% THC, it would be classified as marijuana. But it's the same plant. It's all cannabis.
0: And just to be clear, THC is the cannabinoid that most people associate with marijuana. Yes the high for marijuana. Yes.
2: So THC is that psychoactive component, whereas CBD is that non-psychoactive component. And most of our other cannabinoids are non-psychoactive, which is why the government likes to focus on THC the most, because that's the one that produces the most mind-altering effects.
1: So when a consumer is going to buy CBD, is it typically coming from the hemp plant?
2: Most likely, yes. So right now with our current federal legal. Legal standing um, federally, it's up to zero point three percent THC, and it's much easier to get those small amounts of THC from a hemp dominant plant.
1: So we definitely want to, as during this interview, we want to talk about you know how to buy CBD and how to take it, et cetera, et cetera. But first, can we back up um, and can we talk about the connection between CBD and mental health?
2: Definitely. There's uh, a lot of really great preclinical evidence that I'll talk about, but kind of as a grand overview and why cannabis works for mental mental health issues is all due to our endocannabinoid system. So just like we all have a digestive system and a cardiovascular system, we all have what is known as an endocannabinoid system that affects just about every cell in our body. The endocannabinoid system is made up of different cannabinoid receptors within the body. So we have two main receptors. We have the CB1 receptors, which are present on our brains and central nervous systems. And then we have CB2 receptors, which are present in our immune cells. And so going back to those individual different cannabinoids, those interact with our endocannabinoid system. So THC does something different. CBD does something different. But that's why we actually are seeing results is because that CBD is interacting with our own endocannabinoid system and helping both mental and physical ailments.
0: Back when I was in school, I never saw the endocannabinoid endocannab- system in my anatomy and physiology yeah. textbook. I know this can't be new, but is this is it just more widely accepted now? And where does this system fit in? Is it part of the nervous system or the immune
2: system? Or yeah, so interesting enough, the endocannabinoid system affects all other systems. So our endocannabinoid system affects our immune system, our digestive system. It it touches just about every system in our bodies. Um, Scientifically speaking, it is a relatively new discovery. It's about 30 years old. They discovered it in 1989. And so in terms of what we know in science, it's pretty new. Um, And unfortunately, we don't see it a lot. We don't see it in medical school. I didn't see it in dietitian school. But With this renewed interest and as we see legalization pushing forward throughout this country, I definitely think that we're going to start seeing a lot more medical programs incorporating this into their education.
1: I mean, it's so ubiquitous right now in terms of access that it's shocking to me that it's not something that we're learning more about, that health professionals aren't learning about it.
2: So our whole system is so backwards. And I mean, thankfully, it is being driven by consumer demand. Consumers are more interested in cannabis than ever before. But unfortunately, with our current legal system, anything more than 0.3% THC remains illegal, federally illegal. So that rules out all ability for universities to study cannabis legally, um, we just really have a huge gap in knowledge in terms of scientific studies. So we really need to be very, very hopeful for federal legalization so that we can really start to get the scientific evidence we need to really support so much of the anecdotal evidence that's already out there.
0: That's so interesting. How does this impact mental wellness?
2: Did a little research from. Inform- for mental wellness, and I'm really going to focus on CBD for anxiety disorders because that's where we have our strongest preclinical evidence for CBD, and that's what I find most of my clients or people coming to me are looking for CBD for is to help with anxiety, so we have strong evidence right now for generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. And so what we're finding is that when people are taking CBD, they are reporting significantly decreased cognitive impairment, um, speech performance, discomfort with our social anxiety disorder. And so the one thing I always like to preface, though, is just because our preclinical evidence supports it being helpful, it doesn't mean it's helpful for everybody. Um, I'm sure, as you are very, very well aware, mental health care is so highly individualized and subjective to each and every person. And then when you put in the unique variables for our own endocannabinoid systems and physiology, we find that people really have a wide variety of reactions and experiences with CBD. So it does work for a lot of people, but I do want to say it doesn't work for everybody.
1: So basically, we had two different groups. We had one group who were given... CBD and another group who were given something that was not CBD, but could have potentially been thought to be CBD, AKA the placebo, right? So the group, both groups had some level of anxiety. The group that took the CBD had significant improvements in their anxiety that I'm going to assume were self-reported. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. And then the mechanism that researchers think played such an important role in helping lower the anxiety was the fact that it was improving blood flow in the brain using this because CBD was attaching to the CB1 receptor in the brain. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. I think I've got it. I don't know if listeners do.
2: <laughs> so
1: terpenes are in. The cannabis plant as
2: well. Yes. Yep. So terpenes really are just essential oils. But what we do know is that terpenes in and of themselves have potential health benefits as well. So what they believe is that the cannabis plant in and of itself performs on what is called the entourage effect and that all pieces within the cannabis plant work together synergistically to provide us with optimal results. And so that's where we then get back into strains and the differences in strains, because you can manipulate the different concentrations of cannabinoids or different strains have different terpene profiles, which is how people eventually will settle on a strain that they find best for their health conditions. And this actually goes back to mental health because there are certain strains of cannabis which have been found to be not favorable for folks who have anxiety disorders. So high amounts of THC, not great for anxiety disorders. Low amounts of CBD, really great for anxiety disorders. But then we can also get into that terpene profile in some people who are able to be a little bit more exposed and know their plant and their strains really, really well. You'll find some medical consumers will say, you know, I won't touch a sativa dominant plant or I won't touch an indica dominant plant or I want a plant that has a lot of mercy, which is a very specific terpene. So eventually we can just get so caught up. But it's important to know that there is so much difference just between plant to plant.
1: Where do you start, Emily, in terms of Like, do you have a resource that you would recommend that people can look into? Are there one or two strains that you say, like, hands down, absolutely,
2: this is always the way to go? Can you guide us a little bit in that regard? Whatever a client does, they first need to go slow. They need to take their time. They need to be patient. Um, And so I always start with CBD first. We always want to start with non-intoxicating forms of cannabis, and we can experiment with that and work with that and then move on to potentially introducing THC. But it's really important to take baby steps and to start where it's safe, where you can gauge how make things are making you feel. And then, you know, if you have the option, working with a provider, if you're in the medical program, a medical cannabis doctor, to help you baby step up And one thing you had touched on, which I haven't touched on yet, is the different ways to consume cannabis. There are four main ways to consume cannabis, and they all affect us differently. So if we're taking a sublingual tincture under the tongue, it's going to produce dramatically different results than if we're swallowing it. So we really need to start basic education on the different application methods, Picking it and pairing it with the person's lifestyle, because kind of just like diets, we have to find something that works for the individual client. And then just being willing to tweak and test over time to manipulate and get that desired outcome.
0: So if we were to decide we wanted to try some CBD, our first option is to decide what form. Would that be our first step? Perfect,
2: yes. So CBD can come in many different forms. The very basic form is called flower, or the actual flower that comes off of a plant. It's the raw material. It's the lettuce from your garden, if you will. And so that flower can be used in a variety of different ways. It can be inhaled or smoked or vaporized. Um, it can be used to make edibles. It can be used to make sublingual tinctures, and it can also be used topically. So. Kind of just as a quick overview of our four main application methods, the first is inhalation, which continues to be the most popular among cannabis consumers. One reason it's so popular is because the onset time is so quickly, so it comes on within one to three minutes and you can feel the effects right away, and it's easier to titrate a dose to get to your maximum desired effect. Um, But unfortunately, it doesn't last as long either. It's about a one to three hour duration time. So there's inhalation and obviously comes with its set of drawbacks because it's smoking. The next is going to be like sublingual, which is most often what we see, like CBD oil tinctures that are held in the mouth or under the tongue. So that's going to be um, about a 15 to 30 minute onset time. And what happens is when that oil is held under the tongue, it's more easily absorbed right into the bloodstream. And that's why we can see our quicker effects. Um, This is actually my preferred method of dosing CBD. Um, It has a pretty good bioavailability, about 30%. And so this is going to last about two to four hours it's a little different for everyone this is drastically different than edibles or if you were to actually swallow your cbd oil tincture so holding it under the tongue is good swallowing it is okay But by the time it passes through our digestive system and it has to go through the liver and the hepatic first pass metabolism, we really only have about a 6% bioavailability for it. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's not right for everybody or anyone, but it's not right for everybody. And the onset time can take a while. It can take one to three hours to feel and the onset like duration time can be four to six hours. So it gives a lot of time um, to question what's happening and what's working there. And then our final application method, topicals, which is when you can put CBD directly on the skin. This is really great because we actually have CB2 receptors along our skin, and that's why a lot of people find a lot of relief for things like psoriasis or inflammation on the skin. But those cannabinoids that are put on the skin are never directly absorbed into the bloodstream, so we don't have any kind of intoxicating effects with that. Dosage.
0: I get asked about this as well, and I have... I've even thought about using it, uh, some applications for myself as well as my one of my children who has ADHD, but I have no
2: clue where to start on dosing or dosage. So the golden rule is always with any cannabis product, start low and go slow. Ideally, what we're looking for is our minimum effective dose. We want to see how much we can take to feel our desired effect, but we don't necessarily want to be taking more because obviously the products are expensive. We do build up a tolerance to it over time. It's subjective for everybody. You can't go out and say, you know, 10 milligrams of CBD is perfect for me and for you because it's so different. And when you get to THC, things that, you know, produce those really dramatic effects. If I took 10 milligrams of THC and you took 10 milligrams of THC, we could have two vastly different experiences just based on our own physiology and our own endocannabinoid systems. Am I going to find
0: various strengths or oh yeah, what, what kind of... Yeah. You I, see that- yeah.
2: We'll just layer in another you know, <laughs> layer of complications here, is that there is no standard regulation for labeling. FDA has not stepped in and actually regarded it as a supplement. So anybody can really label their product in any way that they want, and it can come in various concentrations. So I've seen bottles as low as 100 milligrams for a 30-milliliter bottle, all the way up to 3,000 milligrams for a 30-milliliter bottle.
0: So, how do we pick out a good product if there's no regulation? Are there? I know you're. It's kind of a guessing game, but are there some general practices or general things to know when you're shopping?
2: Definitely. So, I actually came up with this four-step acronym, Real Method, to help people because, again, uh, an educated consumer is a good consumer. So, I like to call it my Real Method. We're going to go through R E A L. R stands for raw materials. So first of all, you wanna know where was the hemp that produced that CBD from? Then we have E, which is going to be extraction method. So how are the companies getting that CBD off of the plant and into the bottle? The next one is additive ingredients. And I don't know if it's just the dietitian in me, but I don't like to see added dyes or sugars or unnatural flavorings or anything that doesn't need to be in there. You're usually just going to see CBD and a carrier oil. So your hemp seed oil, MCT coconut oil, something like that. And then last up, the very most important is L for lab testing. So the only way to have any type of guarantee of what's in the bottle is actually in the bottle is through that third-party lab testing, which can also be called um, a certificate of analysis. And so what I found and what is going to be probably the future of um, lab testing, when my products right now uh, have a QR code on the back where the consumer can take their cell phone, take the QR code, and it will actually pull up that specific lab test for that batch, and they have that test right there in their hands.
0: What, can you tell me what, as like an adult female in her early 40s, if I wanted to start it, what is a milligram, what is an amount, a range of amount, uh, what is what is an amount that's at that lower yeah. end?
2: So if, in, in looking at milligrams per milliliter is, is a great way to get your dosage. And what you'll see on most bottles is it's labeled as milligrams per milliliter. And so a really safe place to start is anywhere between 10 to 20 milligrams per milliliter. It's a small amount. When we look at studies done on CBD, we have seen that studies of high daily serving sizes of up to 1,500 milligrams a day are well tolerated. So it's not that you're necessarily going to hurt yourself if you take a very large dose. Again, I always like to tell people just start low because you don't necessarily need that high dose right away. So
1: are there any prescriptions um, that would be CBD is going to interact with that we should be talking about or we should be aware of um, or mindful of?
2: Definitely. So, most of the time, CBD in and of itself is safe, but it does have some drug interactions. So, CBD itself utilizes the cytochrome P450 pathway of the liver. And so any other medication that utilizes the cytochrome P450 pathway may be contraindicated. And that's why it's always important to talk to your doctor. I'm really for people being super open and honest with their doctors. Most of the time, doctors are like, it's fine. Go ahead and take it. But with certain things such as like blood thinners, you really want to be honest with your doctor because what happens is the CBD makes other medications more bioavailable.
0: Where do you see the most promise? with CBD when it comes to mental wellness, but also just health in general?
2: So I'm super excited. I really, going back to the entourage effect of how all different pieces of the cannabis plant work together. I think that's where we're going to see the most promise in the future, Um, CBD can be isolated as a single individual compound, but preclinical studies show that that is actually not the most effective way to take it. Um, So what we actually see is that CBD works synergistically with THC. And so incorporating very, very, very small amounts of THC with CBD is very promising for a lot of individuals. When you're looking at the medical program, you see that a lot of things come in ratios, ratios of CBD to THC. Um, And that really gives people a lot of leeway to play with in order to find out what works best for them and their specific needs.
0: Are there terms, I see like the terms medical grade and that kind of thing thrown around with
2: CBD a lot. Are Are there terms to watch out for or... There's definitely a difference in the brands that you're gonna see at a gas station (laughs) versus brands that you're going to see at a medical dispensary. So for example, a medical dispensary here in New York State has an exclusive line of just CBD products. I believe that those products just naturally have been vetted by the medical dispensary. Um, You don't have to have a medical card to be able to go purchase them there, but you also have that other layer of protection, that other layer of eyes already evaluating the brand for you and kind of filtering out. Whereas at a gas station, a gas station manager is not going to know anything about how to pick a quality product to put on the shelves.
0: So we are in Alabama, which means we are probably light years away from having a medical dispensary for CBD. So what Mm. would our best bet be where it's not legal yet?
2: I'm so sad you don't have a medical program. That's awful, first of all. (laughs) Um, Second of all, if you go back and use that real method and do those four things that I said, if you, what I always tell people is like, Invest a little bit in the first-time research. You know, Take a little bit of time to go on a brand's website and see how does the website look? How does it make you feel? What are they talking about? Are they talking about their commitment to quality and excellence? Are they talking about where their product comes from? Are they proud of how they sourced it, how they produced it? Once you can find a brand that you feel comfortable with that produces those lab results, that brand generally carries many different products. And so finding a comfortable brand. Say you, you have your favorite brand of of yogurt when you go to the grocery store and you know that no matter what flavor, it's always going to be that same brand that you love. I think putting in the legwork to do just a little bit of research up front will absolutely pay off over time and make it much, much easier for you to be able to feel comfortable and confident trying new products.
1: Emily, there are a lot of strains out there that, that you have touched on the concept of strains. When it comes to mental wellness, are there any particular strains that you recommend we look out for or even that you recommend we consider avoiding?
2: Definitely. So this gets a little bit more complicated in terms of strains. The only time you're really going to have a choice in the strain that you're picking is when you're working with raw flour. So Very, very rarely do I see the strain listed on the CBD oil product. In most cases, CBD oil that's produced by large companies is a variety of strains all put together, then creating biomass, which then creates the extract that then goes into the final product. So pre-prepared products make it a little different, difficult to actually pick out the strain. Whereas if you're working with raw flour and preparing your own extracts or infusions at home, you have more of control over the strain. And so what we find is people will use the words indica and sativa most often. Often. Now, these are actual like anatom- anatomical differences in the plant. The sativa plant grows much different than the indica plant, and most people find that they produce different effects. And so, the t- sativa plant is said to be a little bit more of an upper. And now, the sativa plant itself can have many different strains underneath it, but the sativa variety, again, more of an upper. Um, but can be very, very triggering for folks with anxiety. A lot of people say that sativas can absolutely trigger panic attacks, anxiety attacks that they don't normally experience with indica-dominant strains. And so it can be really difficult to find the perfect strain for you because unfortunately we're just not there yet in what is offered. I don't know in Alabama... I'm assuming, I don't know if you can go anywhere and just buy CBD flower and ask someone about the strains of it. Whereas if you were in LA, you could very easily walk into a recreational or medical dispensary and say, I'm looking for a sativa dominant, CBD dominant hybrid, and they could give you exactly all of the options that they have.
1: Oh, yes. That was the experience I had when I went into the dispensary in LA and it just, I mean, as a total science nerd, I mean, I was, I I, actually, to be totally honest, I didn't want anything for myself. I was in there, you know, shopping for a friend or two and just wanted to learn. And it's, it's fascinating. So going back to Indica, you said sativa
2: can be an upper. So is Indica a downer i have to say yes so you'll hear people use the slang like indica couch like indica puts you out it's <laughs> it's great for sleep it's great for Um, people will call it couch lock, where you're awake, but you're really just calm. You're just sitting there watching TV, kind of zoning out. Um, And so a lot of people will say sativas and indicas just have such opposite effects. Um, On top of that, uh, sativa and indicas, the plant, say they bred and had a baby, then it would be a hybrid. And what we see is that most strains are actually hybrids on the marketplace today. And that is... It can be an indica-dominant hybrid. It could be a sativa-dominant hybrid. But again, having access to product that is actually labeled as such and correctly labeled as such, even for me in New York, I I don't see that, um, very rarely see that unless you're in a dispensary, which makes it hard for the average consumer to experiment and know what they're getting and being able to make decisions based on what they've liked and what they don't like.
1: If, if we're talking about indica potentially being a, a downer, right? I love that phrase, indi-couch. Um, that's perfect. I will probably never forget that. But <laughs> does that then mean that somebody who has depression should be avoiding indica?
2: So it's so unique to each and every person. I can tell you right now we could have 10 individuals all diagnosed with depression in here. And each one of them who say they're a medical patient, they know what they're looking for, will tell you they prefer something different. On top of the strains, the indica versus sativa, we can also have varying cannabinoid ratios and we can also have various terpene profiles. So it continues to get so, so complicated that it makes it hard to say, well, you know, indicas aren't good for people with depression. That's not actually true. It's what type of indica and what strain exactly does each person react to differently? Has
1: there been much on CBD for depression? Is CBD something that can be beneficial or is it problematic or do we know?
2: Yeah, so we don't see it anything in terms of problematic. And what we do see is that, I'm just trying to pull up here, I have a research study on self-reported reasons that people actually choose to use CBD. Um, Depression is actually the fourth reason Um, just underneath chronic pain, joint pain, and anxiety that people are choosing to use CBD and reporting that it works for. So we don't have nearly as much clinical evidence, but we do have a lot of anecdotal evidence of folks saying that using CBD does help their depression, but whether or not that's in conjunction with their current medical treatments or not, we don't know.
0: Where do kids and even like pets fall within the CBD world and safety?
2: So safety-wise, what we know is obviously no one is studying CBD in kids or pregnancy (laughs) or anything like that. Um, Safety-wise, we know that CBD is really a safe product that doesn't have side effects like medications do. So, of course, I'm always telling people, you know, you want to be talking with your doctor. But just as all moms have different feelings on giving their child a prescription medication, all moms are going to have different feelings about using CBD with their child I personally, with my level of knowledge, do feel comfortable giving my child CBD. He actually um, is quite the CBD connoisseur at this point. Um, But that's really, I feel like, such a personal decision for for a mom to make. But I personally feel comfortable using it with my child. I find that the side effect profile is much less. And it's more of like a first-line intervention for me before looking to a prescription medication or other alternative.
0: And what about for pets? I've heard it recently used... For pets with anxiety or like
2: when travel or... Yeah, so there's actually quite a bit of evidence of people using CBD for their pets. Um, It's really important to note that THC is not very safe for pets. So you really want to make sure that the product that you're using is safe. But you should absolutely always talk to your veterinarian too. You might find that your veterinarian actually sells specific... CBD products for pets, but because they do see such great reduction in anxiety for the dogs, veterinarians are very, very excited about this new alternative option for people. And many people, you know, choose not to ask their doctor about it and try it and see great results. But we do know Just like humans, dogs have an endocannabinoid system that responds like ours does. Yeah. So, so cool. I'm sitting
0: here imagining my cats on some THC, though. (laughs) It's not.
2: (laughs) Right. I believe it's the, I believe that dogs have more concentrated CB1 receptors. So if they have THC, it affects them much more differently, much more. uncomfortably than humans. So I always like to just preface that as long as you know you have a safe product that's just CBD um, with trace amounts of THC, veterinarians generally agree that it's safe to give to pets.
0: And do you mind us asking you real quick about taking it during pregnancy? I thought that was so fascinating.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, obviously, it's going to be based on your personal level of comfort, and it's always going to be based on anecdotal evidence. We don't have any studies of using CBD in pregnancy. Um, Obviously, we just don't study on pregnant women, just like a lot of medications that we have. Again, based on the side effect profile of CBD, um, I generally tend to use it as more of a first line intervention. Over prescription medications. So, I myself am currently pregnant. I do use CBD. I'm very thankful for CBD. It helps in a lot of different ways. And I think it's given me the opportunity to maybe avoid some other medications for nausea and things like that that um, might have other side effect profiles. Have you found
1: that you use CBD for particular conditions or side effects of pregnancy that are? unenjoyable.
2: Definitely. Like I find myself using CBD for more specific reasons. So I definitely find it very helpful for nausea. Um, I like to take it just as kind of like an everyday supplement. It really helps with just like general aches and pains that are associated with pregnancy as well. Um, but during my pregnancy, I'm also absolutely more obsessed with cannabis topicals that are, you know, placed on the skin. So nothing's absorbed into the bloodstream. But as you know, pregnancy changes your body in many different ways, including dry patches and weird patches on your skin and in stretch marks and things like that. And I found that cannabis topicals have been really a, a wonderful option to try out.
1: That is such helpful information, especially because it sounds like there's still, even if somebody is particularly conservative about CBD during pregnancy, that, you know, there still are ways that you can use it compared to using a prescription, um, like you were saying, topically. Uh, I mean that, yep. and because it's not absorbed into the blood. So it's it's different.
2: Yeah, and that's honestly always a great place for people, anybody who's feeling conservative about CBD, is topicals really are the safest place to start because they're not actually going into the bloodstream. They're just providing a localized effect where you place it, not really a systemic effect throughout the whole body.
0: Awesome. This has been so fascinating. I really appreciate you talking with us.
2: Oh, of course. Honestly, it's like, like I said, it's a rabbit hole. We could do this for another three hours.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn
0: Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to
1: have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye.